Open your Bible this morning to John 17 this morning. We've been using Jesus' own high priestly prayer as a, a model prayer for us. A prayer that we can pray. Not that we can say the exact same things that Jesus did because a lot of it revolves around who he is and what he's doing. But the themes that are significant and important to Jesus ought to be themes that are important to us. Jesus is consumed by the glory of the Father. He's consumed by his own glory. And is that for us? When we pray, are our prayers first and foremost about us? Or are they first and foremost about the glory of God and about the glory of Christ? Let's continue this morning. We've been looking at, particularly in John 17, verses 6 on down, Jesus' prayer to the Father acknowledging this is what you've done in the life of a believer. This is what a believer is. And it's all because of you. You've done this. Let's look at it together. John chapter 17. I'll begin reading in verse 1. We'll, we'll read down to verse through verse 8. When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that the Son may glorify you, since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. Verse 6, I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me. And they have kept your word. And now they know that everything that you have given me is from you. For I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them and have come to know in truth that I came from you. And they have believed that you sent me. Well, looking from verses 6 through 8, we've been focusing upon just very clear statements of Jesus. This is what a believer is. This is what the Father has done in the life of a believer. This is what it means to be a believer. And thus far, we've looked at about four different things. A believer is one to whom God has manifest his glory. Secondly, a believer is one who's been chosen by God. In eternity past, God the Father laid claim upon this person, this soul, and said, though this person will deserve eternal punishment, for my glory, not because of anything in them, not because they, for my, to show forth my glory, the fullness of my radiance, that I am a God who's holy, and holy means both. I am simultaneously a God of righteous judgment, but also grace and mercy. For my glory to show forth the fullness of who I am, because a people would not understand this otherwise. I'm going to lay claim to some. And for others, they will get what they deserve. And in that, you see who I am. That's the, I, that is a holy God. A Christian is one whom God has revealed this glory. One to whom God has chosen eternity past. It's one whom God has given understanding of who he is. We saw this a couple weeks ago. And then last Lord's Day, we thought about a Christian is one who finds their satisfaction in Christ alone. As Peter said, to you who believe, believers, true believers, 
Christ is precious. Christ is all. Christ is everything. Well, this morning, we come upon another statement here in these verses we just read where Jesus prays. Verse 7, again, where we looked at last week, Now they know that everything you have given me is from you, for I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them, here we go, and have come to know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. So a Christian this morning is one who has believed. God has revealed this glory. God has laid claim upon this individual's life. God has given this person understanding of who he is, of who they are, of who Christ is, of the fullness of Christ, that there is nothing that compares to Christ. And a Christian now is one who believes these things. A Christian is one who believes. We throw around words like that, belief, faith, trust in our day. And there is a grave danger of thinking that merely assuming we have believed is the same as believing. Merely assuming because we prayed a prayer, because we walked an aisle, merely assuming we took proper steps and maybe even verbalized a belief. We presume that that's the same thing that's being said here. And it's not. Believing is not the same as merely acknowledging Jesus or merely acknowledging your sin nature or merely acknowledging God's holiness. It's not the same. Satan will acknowledge those very same things. The the supremacy of God. The character of God. The sinfulness of man. That Jesus came for this purpose. Satan will absolutely affirm all of those things. Those are true. Believing is not the same as merely acknowledging or praying a prayer. Believing is, we can characterize it in three brief statements. Number one, true belief like Jesus talks about here. These are the ones who believe. It begins with number one, a renunciation of oneself. A renunciation of yourself. A renunciation of any claim you have to self-righteousness. You cannot come to Christ clinging on to anything you've ever done. You can't come to Christ, well, God, I've done this, but I know you demand perfection, so would Christ come and fill the void where I, here's here's my record of good things, but I know you're holy. I know you demand more, so would Christ come and, and fill the void? This is a very subtle thing. That is not belief. Belief comes and says, here's my record of what I perceive to be good and moral, but in your eyes, they're sin. Because I did not one of them for your glory. Not a one. Maybe even your glory was a part of it, but there was also a selfish motive in it which eradicates the whole thing. Belief begins with a renunciation of any claim you have to self-righteousness. You acknowledge that all that you are is sin. And again, to be clear, your sin is sin, And your good works are sin before the eyes of God. If you fall short in that, you're not a believer. You haven't understood the holiness of God. A renunciation of everything. I need Christ to be my righteousness. 
which is number two. True belief is a renunciation of all claims to self-righteousness. Number two, a reliance upon Christ alone, upon his cross, upon his resurrection. He is your only hope. You don't need Jesus to just get over the hump. You don't need Jesus to come and kind of just where you fall short, let him kind of come and get you where you need to be. He is all. And if he's not all, then in your soul before the eyes of God, he's nothing. You have absolutely thrown out who God sent his son to be. Your savior, your redeemer, your righteousness, your sin bearer. Your life, your treasure, your all. Which is why Paul, Peter characterizes a true believer as one to whom Christ is precious. Doesn't mean He's so nice. He's holy. It means I have no life without him. I have no oxygen. I die spiritually without this Christ. Is that Christ to you this morning? A Christian is one who believes, one who renunciates any claim to self-righteousness, relies upon Jesus, the cross, and upon his resurrection. And lastly, a Christian, a believer, is one who receives Christ, not only as Savior, through the cross and the resurrection, but as your prophet, priest, and king. And this is another area where sometimes our understanding of what a true believer is falls short. The work of Christ was not just to give you a get-out-of-hell ticket free, a free ticket. So I prayed my prayer, I go to church, I do my things, I can live however I want to live, but I know I'm going to go to heaven when I die because I was baptized when I was a kid, because I walked the aisle when I was a kid, because I prayed a prayer when I was a kid. I got my ticket punched. That's not what a believer is. A believer is one to whom Christ is all. He is your prophet, priest, and king. What's the work of a prophet? The work of a prophet is to reveal God, speaks on behalf of God, brings the word of God to you. It's Hebrews 1, 1, 2, and 3 all over again. In former days, God spoke through the prophets, things like a burning bush, things like Moses, things like Jeremiah, things like Ezekiel, but now he doesn't speak like that anymore. He's not speaking through any prophets per se. He's got one prophet, and all of those prophets were merely paving the way for this one. Now he speaks through Christ, and the voice of Christ is preserved for us right here, Genesis to Revelation. He was always speaking through Christ speaking to Christ, speaking for Christ. He's your prophet. Is he the one you turn to to know God? Yeah, the heavens declare the glory of God. But that's a general revelation for the unbeliever. For the believer, if I'm feeling distant from God, we don't look to the clouds. You look to the word. You don't take a walk in nature. You take a walk through the pages of scripture because this is the voice of God. He's your prophet. He's your priest. What's the work of a priest? To mediate on behalf of God for you. And Christ for the believer is one who mediates by the blood. And when you sin, you go to your mediator. You go to the one who stands between you and God. And though God looks at your sin and he sees your sin and has every right to punish it, he looks at Christ and Christ is vouching, saying, look at the scars, look at the blood. Dad, it's forgiven. I'm taking a little bit of a liberty in the way that's being portrayed, but that's the general idea of a mediator. Those are paid for. This person has access to you. He's our prophet. He's our 
priest. He's our king. As a believer, he reigns over you. Your life is not your own. Your citizenship now is not only is not of this world. You belong to a kingdom where there is a king and it's Christ. And he has right to rule and reign over you. And he has the right to expect from you and from I our obedience. Jesus says, as he's worshiping the Father, glorifying him, they have come to know truth that you sent me and they have believed that you sent me. They have believed I am who you sent me to be and to do. And again, this is the subtle danger we all face. There's a danger of giving merely assumption that, yeah, I believe all those things. I know all those things. That's not the same as you clinging to these things. I have nothing empty to the cross I bring. Empty my hands simply to the cross I cling. Christ is all. And Christ is my prophet.